the 56th episode of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. My name is Samantha Blackman, and I'm an associate professor here at Purdue University in wonderful West Lafayette, Indiana, where I teach about, write about, talk about, argue about, (laughs) lots of things, but not limited to video games, video games, video games. And I am joined tonight, as in every podcast night, by my two co-hosts, Alex Lane and Nicole Marie. Ladies. Hello. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Hi. Um, uh, My name is Alex Lane. I'm a PhD candidate at Purdue um, going up on my last year of my program, which is exciting. And I uh, am working on my dissertation, which is about women in the video game industry and uh, it, that's re- that relation to uh, policy. So, yeah. Woohoo. Woohoo. And I'm uh, a bachelorette this weekend. Oh, yeah. Living my <laughs> life. That's right. Uh, and I'm Nicole Marie, and I am the. I don't know, video game nut who is looking for a job in the video game industry. So hire me. Uh, speaking of which, do, are you part of the um, the Women in Games job group on LinkedIn? Because they post jobs there like every day. I am. And you know what? Most of them are for artist positions. When I, Whenever I see them, most of them are for artist positions. Well, anybody else who's listening who's interested in that, check it out. Yeah, definitely check it out. There are a lot of good sites. I recently found one called Names and Games. Um, and it's basically just a place for people who are in the video game industry to kind of connect with each other. But then for me, it's like this great place to kind of be like, Hey, here I am. Hire me. (laughs) I like it. So yeah, that's us. Awesome. Okay. (laughs) So what we'll do is our usual thing, which is what, what you're playing, what you're reading, what you're drinking. Um, and since Alex Lane is a bachelorette this weekend because her <laughs> husband's out of town, she better be drinking. If she's not, she better be drinking by the time oh, we get to the uh-oh. what you drinking section. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a good thing that I'm on a laptop. Hold on. Uh, well, actually, I gotta I gotta let them out. I got I got these crazy dogs running around like nutcases. I gotta let them out in a second. So I'll go first and then run away quick. Okay, um, Alex Lane, what you playing? <laughs> I'm I've been playing um, a lot of. Uh, oh God, see see what I'm saying. Um, a lot of uh, kind of the same games that I've been playing, but with a few, oh my gosh, a few little twists and so forth. So um, my top couple games that I've been playing are Gourmet Ranch, um, which I think I was playing last time. Eh, maybe not. Gourmet Ranch, it's a Facebook game. It's kind of fun. It's it's dumb. Uh, it's like all the other Facebook, Facebook games. <laughs> uh, I'm also playing Plants vs. Zombies Adventures, which is in beta right now. And that is actually really, really good. I loved the re- like the regular Plants vs. Zombie. I was obsessed with it till I beat it. And this one like melds together that with like building up your own little town. And they, I think they did a really great job. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, so how much money have you spent on it? I haven't spent any <laughs> money yet um, because like so I was getting really frustrated because at first you don't have enough cash to do anything, uh, or no, you don't have enough coins to like plant any of the stuff. And then, like, if you don't have a lot of friends, you have to pay cash, like, your little cash things for positions to fill them. And so I was getting frustrated because I didn't have enough cash. But, like, right now, I don't have good enough plants to win all my battles. So now I'm just, like, stocking up on cash and coins. So I'm doing great right now. Um, not that I'm against spending money. I will. I do it all the time. I'm not I'm not scared of that. 
Um, <laughs> I've been playing some WoW, some pet battles. And then the two new games I played this week are uh, Naruto Powerful Shippuden on the 3DS. I don't know how to say that. And the Epic Mickey Power of Illusion on the 3DS. And I, as a hater of Epic Mickey, like dire to my core hater, um, I really liked it on the 3DS. You haven't played it yet, right, Sam? No, not on the 3, 3DS. I, I played it on the 360 and hated it. Yeah, I hated it too. And, but like... What it makes sense on the 3DS because what happens is you like go through the levels and stuff, right? And then you like with your whatevers, and then you use your stylus to draw on the thing, so like it actually makes sense like as a game because you're using your stylus to like trace lines and you like get points for tracing it well, and then you like go through the story like a regular game. So it, I actually I thought the mechanics were pretty good and I kind of enjoyed it for and I'm a 100% hater of that, so I actually yeah I. I we got the demo and then was so sucked in I bought it so yeah that's interesting maybe I'll uh, check it out for P yeah I mean they have the demo on there that goes pretty far so check it out Yay. cool Nicole what you playing oh man I'm next um <laughs> <laughs> so somebody posted something on Facebook that got me like so excited that they have the original Sonic game, like, for the Sega Genesis on the iPad. So I'm like, oh, cool, I'm going to check it out. And I thought it would be free and all this cool stuff. But it was, it's $2.99, so I downloaded it anyways. And let me tell you, like, I spent my whole weekend playing Sega. And, like, my, my boyfriend was in town, and we were just passing the iPad back and forth. And it's total nostalgia because I just, like, I think that was probably the first video game that I ever truly, really got into when I was really little. So that's cool. I'm still playing it because you can play, um, you go through each playthrough and you can play, if you when you get through the whole game as Sonic, it unlocks Tails. And then when you play the whole thing as Tails, you unlock Knuckles. So I'm on Tails right now. I'm trying to get to Knuckles. Um... Minecraft is still sucking my soul away, so I'm still <laughs> I'm still playing that. The cool thing is, is I've been finding a lot of diamonds, and that's like the most exciting part about this game is when you find the diamonds. But now that I have all these diamonds, I don't know what to do. So I think I'm slowing down on it. Like the excitement is slowly fading. Um, and then because my boyfriend was here this weekend, he's like really, 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 really into Candy Crush. Isn't that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Candy Crush Saga or whatever. He's super into it. And so I've started playing that just because watching him play, I'm like, oh, okay, I should try this game out finally. I'm so behind on those trends. Like the games that are super popular, I'm always like a month behind. I'm like, oh, I'll jump on this train. Why are you so behind? I just feel like everyone's been playing. Like, I feel like you and Alex talked about it, like, months ago. Yeah, we probably did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm... Because I'm playing right this second, it. and I'm on, like, level 100 and something. Yeah, he's on... He's on 90-something. And I know, like, a lot of the ladies I work with who are the whole, like... You know, they're older. Not, like, like a lot older. They're in their mid to late 30s. Watch it. Watch it. Like thirties, thirties. I meant like late thirties, early forties is what I was really looking for. Like they have kids, and they you, don't. You're not making it any better. <laughs> well, they are older than her. They're older than me, <laughs> but so they have this whole like mindset that they're still in this gap where video games are not like a thing that their generation did. You know what I mean? 
And so it's funny to me that they tease me all the time for playing video games. And when I was talking to them about C2E2, they were like, oh, yeah, but all the guys there live in their parents' basements and they're never going to have a future in life and blah, blah, blah. Like, they have that mindset, but they all play Candy Crush. And it just cracks me up because it's like, you guys are gamers and you don't even realize it. Like, you're gaming. That's gaming. But... So I'm behind. And and that, my friends, was the last time Nicole was ever heard on the Not Your Mama's Game of Podcast <laughs> when she said that the 30-somethings and early 40s were geriatric. Hmm. <laughs> I just meant they're older than me. <laughs> I don't have kids. I'm not married. We're at different life stages. How about that? Does that work? <laughs> They're in a a more advanced life stage than I am. Advanced. That's not better. That's that's not better. That's worse. Oh, God. That's funny. I'm, like, getting teared up over here. (laughs) Oh, God. So, Candy Crush. Yeah. Guess I'll go get my walker right about now. Jeez. You need a hearing aid, too. I guess I do. Shit. Oh man. <laughs> anyway, I guess it's my turn. Since I'm really old, I can say I'm playing Candy Crush. <clears throat> it's allowed. It's allowed. <laughs> um also, yeah, of course, anybody who knows me knows this. Still playing Nino Cooney. <laughs> oh man. Still playing Nino Cooney. We'll probably never stop. I'm just glad that you finally have a game you like enough to play it every week because you constantly give everyone else shit for playing these games week after week that they love, man. I want to stop playing this game. I don't want to play this game anymore. (laughs) (laughs) In many ways, I wish this game would just, like, stop playing in my my PlayStation (laughs) because then I'd have an excuse not to play it. It's not me. It's the Wii one. Anyway, so yes, we're still playing Nino Cooney because regardless of whatever else we do, even when I think that we're we're going good on something else, I'll turn around and one day she'll say, Mom, can we play a game tonight? And I'm like, yeah, what do you want to play? Do you want to play Bubble Guppies? Do you want to play, you know, Sesame Street? Do you want to play? I want to play Nino Cooney. Dun, da, da! <laughs> and that's the way it always goes. <laughs> that's so funny. So yeah, I wish Nino Cooney would go away because we are we are way over a hundred hours in, and if I never played that damn game again, I'd be happy. Um, but the new game that we started, I think I may have talked about it last time. If not, I definitely posted about it. Was we're playing Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess um, for the Wii, but we're playing it on the Wii U which is probably the most uh, action my Wii U has gotten probably since I bought the damn thing damn near. Yeah, we're going to try to make sure this one doesn't go the way of the Wii. We're really going to try to make sure it doesn't become a fancy doorstop. Um, (laughs) But we got new games coming out. We have new games coming out. Hopefully with, you know, the the Lego Marvel Heroes coming out, it'll be much better than Lego Lord of the Rings was. And I'll be able to put some serious time into um, playing that for a while because the Lego games have gotten really good. Um, and I've enjoyed them for a long time, even since like the original, the first, the early Lego, like the early Lego Star Wars and um, Indiana Jones games. All those, they I played those and that had a blast with them. 
Um, but Lord of the Rings just did not do it for me. But so we'll see what happens with uh, Marvel Heroes. Um, what else? Um, I finally found my copy of Professor Layton and the Miracle Mask. Yay! I've heard it's really good. Are you enjoying it? I am enjoying it thoroughly. But I'm a I am a huge Professor Layton fan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one's a really good one. Um, so I've kind of uh been playing more stuff on my uh 3DS. I dusted that off a bit because that and I I, I don't know if I ever if we talked about this since um I have been playing that, but I have been playing Luigi's Mansion on the 3DS as well. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, so I'm going back and forth between Luigi's Mansion and Professor Layton on a 3DS right now. And of course, next week, oh my God, there is only one thing I am going to be playing on my 3DS for a really long time after next week, and that is Animal Crossing. <laughs> it, 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 I'm, I'm telling you, it's so bad that I was tempted to buy a 3DS, 3DS XL just so that I had an extra 3DS that I could commit solely to Animal Crossing. That's so funny. I have a Jones that is so bad when it comes to Animal Crossing. <laughs> I cannot even explain to you. I thought I was oh going to break the DS when I was playing Animal Crossing the first time because I used to play it every night when I went to bed and I would fall asleep playing it every night and it my DS would hit the floor. So I was pretty sure it was just gonna break. That's why I ended up putting one of those big, those big ass bulky Nerf covers on it because I was pretty sure it was gonna break. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! So we're gonna be away at a conference when uh, Animal Crossing comes out next week, but we've already planned to make a midnight run to like the local Target or Walmart That's or whatever right. the hell it is to get our copies just so we don't miss out. Um. And let's just hope that I don't, in the meantime and in between time, accidentally pick up a, a 3DS XL. Yeah, accidentally. Accidentally. Oops. <laughs> Oops. That It fell in my cart. It fell in my cart. And Alex Lane is going to be there. She's no damn good at helping me control my poor, helping me with my poor impulse control. That's Listen, if you true. need someone to help you control yourself, then I am not your friend. Get a different friend. I'm <laughs> Get not a that different friend. friend. <laughs> yeah. I can't help anybody control anything. She's not lying. Um, what else? Oh, I also played uh, Papers, Please. Has anybody else played this? No, I've never even heard of it. It's um, it's a, a downloadable game um, for PC. Uh, and I don't know if it's for, um, what you call it, Mac as well. But it's kind of a serious game. And what you are is you're playing this Eastern European, it's a, they call it a dystopian document thriller. And huh. you're in Erstroitska. <laughs> and you're in the middle of like the Cold War, but you play a, um, a border control person, right? So you're checking papers. That's why it's called Papers, Please, at the border. And so what happens is, is like, you have to check papers and you have to, you have to like look at the person, make sure it matches with the passport picture. You have to, there's a set, there's a set of rules. Like if they're from Erstroika, then all they need is their entry ticket and their passport. But if they're from a different country and they need their passport and they can only be from certain issuing regions and they may need different papers to go along with it. But then 
like weird shit will start happening. Like a bomb will go off in the processing center and you'll see like other little people get blown to bits. And then it'll say, oh, well, you know, because of the recent terrorist activities, new restrictions are in place. And then they'll just give you a whole new fucking set of rules. And then you have to follow those rules. Right. And you get paid by the number of people you process through every day. But then at the same time, you have to keep up with these rules because if you don't, if you start letting people through that don't match, um, you'll get a warning and then they'll fire your ass. Right. Um, it's, you know, so you have to kind of keep some kind of balance, but you get paid by the number of people. The amount you get paid is based on the number of people you let through. And then at the end of every workday, you have like, you have like um, a family to feed. So it becomes like uh, Oregon trail at this point. Right. So, you know, you have to, no matter what pay like $20 for rent. Um, but then you might need $10 for food and $15 for medicine because uncle Joe or whoever the hell it is, that's also living in your house is sick or your kid is sick. Then you have to play pay for heat. So you have to decide what, what days they're going to go cold, what days they're going to go hungry, what days they're going to be sick and just be real sick and who's eventually going to die off all this kind of stuff. Right. So it's this serious get, I'm laughing. That shit's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> this game sounds super. Oh my super intense. God. It's horrible. I sat there and I played that game for, um, I played that game for like three hours in Einstein brothers one day. It was crazy. Um, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, so papers, please. Um, like I said, it's called a, uh, a dystopian document thriller. Um, and it's, uh, a game that's created by, uh, Lucas Pope. So you can find it at Ducope, D-U-K-O-P-E.com. Check it out. It's for Windows and Mac. Um, it was actually, like I said, it's, it's thought provoking to say the very least. Um, I've been playing some gourmet ranch because Alex Lane told me I had to. Because she started playing Plants vs. Zombies Adventures with me, so I had to play Gourmet Ranch with her. Um, and it's actually, you know, a lot like those other, you know, Facebook dinery type of games that kind of suck you in after a while. So, not too bad. And that's about all I think I've been playing. Yeah. Gotta <laughs> think about it. I had to think about it. <clears throat> I uh, have rented... Because I'm crazy, had rented um, Resident Evil Six um, for the 360 because it came out. The port came, the 360 port came out, and I and since I have it already for the 3DS, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna rent it for the and play it for a little bit and see how I like it. Um, yeah, I walked around it with it in my bag for like five days, and I was like, okay, I've been paying for this game for like five days. I'm just gonna go ahead and return it because obviously I'm not gonna play it. Um, so I never got around to playing that. Not that you wanted to know that, but you know, hey. All right. Next up, what you reading? Anybody read no. anything fun? Nothing. Nothing fun, that's for sure. TPS reports. I don't know what those are, and that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> it was a that was a Office Space joke. Oh, see, I never watched Office Space. Oh, you should see it. It's such. It's so good. It's a. It's it's good to laugh at. I'm sorry. Sorry. Alex Lane, are you with us or are you lost in the ether? I'm here, but uh, I only catch about every fifth word. I'm testing my online speed right now, and it is 0.03. Oh, so, wow. That's really low. 
That's, that's uh, megabytes per second. Oh, no, the final was 0.19 megabytes per second. So I don't know what's going on with my internet. So I'm sorry. You need a new um, modem. Just tomorrow. I just got one. Oh, well, I don't know what the fuck's wrong with you then. Like two months ago. Yeah. I'd still take it up there and tell I'm, you I need a new one. I might. I might. Uh, but anyway, so what are, we, uh, what are we on? What you reading? Uh, um, so I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm reading anything game book related right now. Um, <clears throat> but I did just get, um, I just interlibrary loaned the big, uh, gamification book, the gamification of learning. And, uh, I, I get to go pick that up tomorrow. So I will have an update soon on that. Um, it looks really terrible. So I'm very, very excited. <laughs> So I have low, low hopes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is, I was wondering why you interlibrary loaned it instead of buying it, and that explains it. That's the first book I've ever interlibrary loaned. If I ever wanted it bad enough to interlibrary loan, I'd just buy it. But I did not want to buy it, and it was expensive. So, um, so I don't really have much for you on that front. But uh, yeah, me. Okay. Well, let's see. I've been reading a lot of crap. I don't know what it is though. Um. Uh, the latest book I'm reading, though, is what I was, is uh, that'll be an, an easier one. Is I'm reading um, a book on um, writing for the. I've been thinking a lot about writing for games, writing in games, writing in games, writing about games. That's what I want to say. And um, so uh, I've been reading a lot about it. Or and there's not a whole for everybody out there who knows this, right? Um, there's not about a lot about um, writing outside of narrative writing um, that's like out and published. Um, so what I've been reading is is actually like the one book that kept popping up whenever I was kind of like talking to folks about it and looking around and seeing what was out. Um, but it is... Um, Dan Amrich's book, Critical Path, How to Review Video Games for a Living. Um, and it's actually, it's actually been a really fun read, right? Because, you know, it's it's one of those things like, okay, here's, here's what your life's going to be like if you're, if you're a games journalist, if you're writing for games. You're going to write a whole lot, you know, a long time for free. Because <laughs> you got to get <laughs> your name out there. It's what you got to do. Right. So you're going to work for free and then you're going to work for nothing, you know, for close to nothing. You know, if you think you're going to get rich off this, you know, it's never going to happen. And then, you'll, you know, you may get that dream job, but you're still not going to get rich. You know, and here's what you know, here's what life is like. So he starts out the book like that. Like and then when he gets to like the end of that section, he's like, OK, so now if you're really ready to read how to write review video games for a living, let's talk about how to do this. So if you're still there. Right. Um it's a whole lot of fun to read. And I think it would be a blast to use in a class um, because, you know, it's kind of an eye opener on top of a, you know, a how to book. Um, it's called Critical Path, How to Review Video Games for a Living. I'm about halfway through it. Um, I'll probably finish it. Uh, not tomorrow <laughs> before the weekend's out. Um, but then maybe not because I still got a whole lot of dissertation chapters to read. Thanks to Alex Lane and other uh -huh. people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got it. It's yeah. a lot of fun. I, I picked up an ungodly number. Well, not ungodly for most folks, but probably a good eight or 10 
new books on the Kindle like in the last week. And most of them have been about games. But So I've read, read bits and pieces of them all. Uh, but Critical Path is the one I'm reading through first because, you know, that was the one I, I wanted to read through first. That's what I'm reading. What you drinking is the most Woo-hoo! important question. I, I heard that question. <laughs> the I one went... question that comes through. <laughs> I went and got something. I had a martini earlier and I'm contemplating another martini, but I found lately that my martini to sleep ratio is about two to one. So um, <laughs> if I had one more martini by the time we were done podcasting, I'd be sleeping. But yesterday I was, I, w- I went and I had my disc golf league because believe it or not, the week before I actually got someone beat me. So I was oh, very man. upset. What are you, yeah. What are you doing with your life? I, I don't, I don't like to lose. Okay. At all. Small as that is enough. Okay. So um, I do not like to lose. And so this girl took my tag last week. Cause you play for tags like numbers and you try to get the lowest number. Mm-hmm. And so I was like determined, like I was talking to, like I was talking to you guys yesterday. I'm like, I'm not drinking. I'm not going to have a sip of alcohol cause I am going to go and I'm going to win this golf thing. And I did. Anyway, so I was out all day. I was super hot. And I just felt like something I could, like, chug, but not beer. Something that was kind of sweet. So I got some Lynchburg lemonades. Ooh. You ever had those? Oh, yeah. I love those. My mom used to drink them. Yeah. I, I've, I've never really had one before. It was out of my repertoire for what I normally drink, since I usually drink straight vodka or scotch. But uh, it was, uh, they're, they're kind of good. They're real easy to drink. So, oh yeah, I went and got one of those lemonade kind of beverage with the sour mash whiskey. There's nothing better, I'm telling you. Oh yeah, I suppose it has whiskey. Oh god, I'm an idiot. I didn't even think <laughs> about that. <laughs> That's why it's called a Lynchburg lim- lemonade because Lynchburg is where they make Jack Daniels. Yeah, I get it. I get it now. It also says Jack Daniels on the top, so that could have given it away, but it could have. <laughs> just maybe. Yeah, a little. That's what I'm drinking. Nicole, are you drinking? I, I am. I have. Um, that's someone guess, else's dog, by the way, not mine. Oh yeah, that's that's someone must be home. She only barks like that when someone walks through the door. Um, I am drinking Angry Orchard Hard Cider. Nice. Again, I feel like I've drank that yeah. before, but it's it's really good. And like I said, my sister can drink it because of her celiac. So we drink it together so she doesn't feel left out. Oh. Yeah. I'm nice like that, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. Take you one for are. the team. Yeah. I am drinking that time of year again oh no way yeah firefly a sneaky sneaky sneaky, oh shoot (laughs) love a sneaky sneaky i was when i was out shopping i was i walked past like the liquor aisle and i was like firefly where have you been for months (laughs) so i grabbed a bottle and uh, yes, tonight I am drinking a sneaky sneaky. Oh shoot! Fun. Summer is officially here. Summer can't start till I have my first sneaky sneaky. Yeah, that's for sure. That, that definitely sounds yeah. like summer now. Yep. So now I am definitely a happy summer a happy summer dweller. 
It's officially summer. It's officially summer. Because the sneaky sneakies have started. And I and since I have not had dinner and I'm drinking on an empty stomach, I may be drunk by the time the end of the podcast <laughs> ends. <laughs> and Sam's drunk. Not a hard thing. Not a hard thing. All right. News. What you got? Uh, you know what? Nothing too exciting because most sites are really just covering more news about, uh, you know, Xbox One or PS4 or what's going to happen at E3. Mm -hmm. Um, but I found this to be extremely ridiculously exciting. EA is taking away the online passes, like retroactively eliminating online passes for their games. Like, I, I... I don't get it. For some reason, that's crazy to me. The fact that they're, like, getting rid of them. What's their game here? Are they trying to boost? What does that mean? Well, you know how... Okay, so if you buy a used EA game, you can't play it online unless you buy a $10 online pass. Well, that makes sense, though. That went away because um, Microsoft and Sony both are going to do that on their own. Yeah, so they're, well, but they're retroactively eliminating it. So, like, they're getting, they're not just, like, stopping it. They're removing it for all the games that it was on before. Which kind of shocked me. I mean, I get it for, like, the next generation of consoles, but they're doing it for right now. And they're starting with their sports games. So that's kind of cool. I don't know. They're trying to build goodwill and hope that people don't That's what I think. Good fucking luck, man. Yeah, they're trying to build goodwill, and they, well, yeah, for one, because you know they've had their other, and they they can't afford any more ill will. No, they can't. You know what's funny is I found a job uh, as a QA with them, and I just can't bring myself to apply for it. Like that could be my end to the video game industry, but do I really want it to be with EA? Come really? on, EA better. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! There you go. That yeah. would def- they definitely need QA folks. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then my other little piece of news, because I feel like we talk about Double Fine a lot, because I feel like, Sam, at least you play a lot of their games. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're announcing a new game tomorrow, or today, if we get this up today, tomorrow, and you're listening to it, if that makes sense. If it's the 31st while you're listening to this, <laughs> it's today, or it may have already happened. But it's kind of interesting that they're announcing a new game, even though they have, like, four other projects going on, including two that were on Kickstarter recently. Yeah, that's pretty strange, isn't it? Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of people are excited about it because their Kickstarter projects that they have up are look, look phenomenal for the people who are excited for them. Oh, I, my God. I wish Broken Age would come out already. Yeah. Like, that's the only one that I'm really excited for. I don't know what this other one is. It's like a, a an RPG or something or a strategy. Ah, shoot. I was just reading about it. And now I can't even think of it. But, the, like, Kotaku was gushing about it. Just absolutely gushing about it. But... So that's exciting. Double Fine coming out with more games. One that potentially is not backed by Kickstarter. So <laughs> we will see. That's all my news. Just a quick, quick little tidbits there. Cool. Yay. Woohoo. All right. Should so I do my indie game? Yeah. 
Um, I played this week. Um, I only played a little bit of it, so I'm going to talk about it shortly, and then I'll talk about something else. Um, I actually, I'd never played Amnesia before. Oh, so, really? No way. You guys talked about it all the time, and I finally got it and played it this week. And it's, I mean, I like, I can see why you guys really thought it was cool, but it's just not my style of game, you know? Like the sort of pointy, clicky, puzzly thing. But it was scary. It's definitely <laughs> scary. So I got, I definitely got that. I told, yeah, I had, I had not played it before. And I totally see where you guys are coming from that. But as far as I have yet to game, find a game that really, really scares me. Yeah. Lately, anyway. Like within the last 10 years. Yeah, because I mean, like, Amnesia was definitely really good. As far, I don't know as far as that went, but it was like, like getting your heart racing scary, not like, oh my right. God, I'm going to go to bed and pee myself. I'm so scared. <laughs> I remember being that scared at Resident Evil. What was it? I don't remember. I was pretty young. Resident Evil 2, maybe. Yeah. That's why I said within the last 10 years, that's been more than 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like, like, think about the first time, think about back to the Resident Evils. Think about the first time those damn zombie dogs jumped through the window at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's that 100%. was terrifying. Yep. That's scary. <laughs> yeah, see? That was absolutely terrifying. I haven't had that moment in a long time. Yeah. Well, you know what, in news, I want to talk about a couple of things that aren't listed there, and, and that's because um, I have to stay awake from Kickstarter. <laughs> you know because I go through these Kickstarter periods right and I don't know why but I go in and like certain things just look really good to me mm-hmm. um, so lately I've backed a couple of things on Kickstarter um, and I'm only going to talk about the game things of course but I backed um, Tug which actually ends tomorrow the 31st Um which is a game um, that is being developed by kind of a collaboration, cooperation between uh, game devs, game theorists, sociologists, psychologists. So all these people who come together to talk about, that talk a lot professionally about what makes games work. Um, And they're building this game that is going to... uh, make you think about how games work, why games work, and is really going to be dependent on how you play the game. Hmm. Right? So, and the name of the game is Tug. It's an RPG kind of game. Um, and you'll start as a child and play through as an adult. Um, but it's an open world sandbox RPG. Um, it's already, um, it's already hit its goal. It's got about 18 hours to go. Um, but uh, so if you hear this within the next 18 hours by 4:26 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, you can still back it. Um, but it looks like it's really going to be really interesting, and I'm dying to play it. Um, it won't be out until, according to them, where is my you back this level? I don't know. There it is. No, it's not. Maybe I'm not signed in. I don't know. Um, so you can get, oh, you can get a copy of the game for as little as 10 bucks. Oh, that's awesome. So, 
So is it supposed to be like mostly psychology, or is it? No, it's an actual RPG. Okay, but you but just it... got all these people that are coming together to work on the mechanics because they're the ones that think about mechanics and and how people how people play games and why they do certain things in games to build the mechanics. They're not trying to you know build like this you know psychoevolutionary or you know game itself, but you know to figure out why people do things and then capitalize on that to make gameplay more fun is what they're trying to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's really cool, though. And very, very interesting. Yeah, so I'm hoping it's as good as I think it's going to be. Only thing that kind of pissed me off about it, of course, you know, it looks like all the people involved in this collaboration were, of course, men. Um, Shock. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that is shocking, right? But I backed it anyway, um, because I really want to see. The other thing that's game-based that I've backed is this thing. I can't call it a game, um, but it's a game builder. It's called Pixel Press. Draw your own video game. It's an app. Um, Right now, they're building it for iOS and uh, possibly Android, depending on how much funding they get. Um, and it's based on, they, they use kind of the special graph paper, um, and using their symbols, you draw your own levels for games. And then all you have to do is take a picture of it. There's no coding involved. It builds the levels for you and they're playable. So you build your own platformer by drawing it out on a piece of paper. That's really cool. I saw you posted about that on Facebook, I think, and I saw that, and that looks really, really sweet. So I'm really excited about that. And they sent out, um, they sent out an email this morning um, that says they they've also listed themselves on Steam Greenlight because they also plan to, um, if they can, um, develop this for Mac and PC as well. So it won't just be a an app but you'll be able to do it on PC as well. So I guess you would you would draw it out and then take a picture of it and upload it um, and make it a playable level on your, on your computer. So that sounds really exciting. Um, and that's got about, you got, you got more than enough time to back this one. That'd be cool for kids. Oh yeah. Um, and they were having a contest um, and having people kind of draw their own levels without having the app. Um, to see who drew the best level. So that was pretty cool. Um, I'm, I'm excited about that one. I want to use that one in the classroom. So I really hope that one comes to fruition. I'm really, you know, I, I want, I want to get my money's worth. Yes. But I also want to use it in the classroom. So I'm anxious for that one to work out. Um, and you got about 14 days left on that one. Um, and it's three quarters of the way funded already after like 16 days or so. Um, so, well, no. So it'll probably happen. Yeah, it'll probably happen. Cause it's, they only, they only, um, kickstarted the project for a hundred thousand dollars and they're already at like 72,000. So. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm imagining with 14 days to go, it won't be too hard to get that last 18,000 or 20,000 yeah. or whatever it is. We'll see how that works out. So those are those. And then one more thing and then I'll stop. Um, 
there's a new there's a, something else that I had just seen earlier today and I haven't had a time had time I'm trying not to fund any more kickstarters this week um but there's a 3d platformer um that is already funded and it's only been um it's only been uh active for two days um and they were going for $30,000. After two days, they have $42,000. It's called Gears for... It's by, it's by the developer Gears for Breakfast. And it's called A Hat in Time. It's a 3D collect-a-thon platformer. Um, and I think that that's, you know, going to be pretty cool. You can back it. You can back it and uh, get the game for as little as $15. Or $10, I take that back. No, no, those are gone. That was the early. $15. Still not bad. Still not bad. So you can check that one out. It's really cute. It's like a Mario-type platformer. Um, but the uh, protagonist in the hat is a girl. And she gets to do all the cool stuff. It's in a magical world. And it's got time travel. And it's a female character. So, yeah, you know, I'm going to end up backing that one, too, because I got it. So you're sold. Yeah. I was like, yeah, okay, I got it. That's funny. Um, So, yeah, I thought those were interesting. Not news, not quite news, not quite games, but, you know, in between. Yeah. Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Yeah. All right. It's a new segment. <laughs> no, let's not let's not do that. Don't put me in charge of that. <laughs> I'll be broke. It's like it's research. I have to look up all the Kickstarter games this week <clears throat> as I fund like fifteen of them. So I did see a couple other interesting things that I. <clears throat> but anyway, that's a whole other story. We lost the goal a here. Whole other illness on my part. All right, and now it's time for our issue of the week. Um, and Alex Lane says this to so this week's issue of the week was your idea. Tell us about. It. Let's tell them tell the people about it. Okay, so um, what we decided to talk about this week um, is men doing feminism, so to speak. Um, and what what we sort of wanted to uh, the reason why I thought about this is um, I've been reading some um, <clears throat> feminist methodology books um, for my dissertation and some stuff particularly from social scientists and stuff. Um, um, can you can you guys hear me? Okay, you got a little artifact, but I can hear you. Okay, um, it sounds crazy from my end. I feel like I'm inflated to the navigator, but that's okay. So, um, <laughs> anywho. Uh, so I was reading this stuff about these social researchers trying to do feminist methodology and they had a whole section called on men and it was on the different types of men and kind of the question or how people have dealt with the question of whether or not men can be feminist. Mm -hmm. um, some people say men can't be feminist because they lack uh, women's experience, which is the cornerstone of feminism. Uh, some people say they can be um, because you just need sort of a central belief, a central drive to make it better, make things better and more equal for women. Right. Uh -huh. Um, so it kind of sort of depends on how people are defining feminism, whether they def say that men can or can't do it. 
Um, certainly they lack the experience. I don't think anyone can argue um, against that. Um, but when you read articles and stuff by men claiming to be feminists, um, what sort of reaction do we have to it? I, I know certainly the, the biggest argument against it is, well, in, in industries particularly like gaming, there's so many women that don't get a voice and don't get a chance to speak. Um, it becomes a problem if men are sort of usurping those roles to be able to talk about feminism when women can't even talk about it. Um, and uh, and uh, I know that there's been tons of articles written by guys um, sort of on behalf of women like, I know they don't have a voice, so I'm going to say all these fucked up things that we need to deal with as an industry um, because everybody keeps silencing them or whatever. So um, I don't know. I, sort of, I was interested in your guys' view on it, but that's why, I, that's why I proposed this topic. Well, I think it's an interesting one because this is something that we hear not only when it comes to um, men doing feminism, but also when folks start talking about whether or not um, like folks of color can, uh, folks who are not of color can teach, say, um, you know, minority rhetorics or whether or not, um, and it's, it's usually questions about like whether or not white folks can teach something ethnic, right? Um, nobody, well, very few people actually uh, want to ask the question of whether or not somebody uh, black can teach something that is not black or someone who is ethnic can teach something that is not ethnic in any way. Um, and I think that for me, the way that I always like to address this when we, especially when I'm talking to students is to go to the theory. Um, and one of the folks that I always go to, because she seems to have such a solid kind of grasp of it, um, and talks about it in a way that makes perfect sense and kind of goes back to one of the stances that you talked about, Alex, is Bell Hooks when she talks about, okay, so there's this difference, right? Is that, yeah, so there you don't, of course, have the experience, um, but you can have a passion about thing with, the, with a passion about a thing without having that passion of experience. And it is kind of that passion of kind of that passion of empathy, right? Or and that passion of understanding and the passion of knowledge, right? So being able to understand, to empathize, to um, talk about to talk about a thing um, in a very kind of real way. Um, but it's not, and, and but having that understanding at the same time that it's not the same thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. In fact, um, I remember when I was like when I'm practicing for job interview questions and stuff like that, um, the answer I always, I always personally think that I'll, I'll come to, and it's kind of in my own mind, this is what I come to. And it's that my mentors, which is you believe that you, uh, your body didn't preclude you from thinking or believing anything. Like you can believe and be passionate about anything regardless of what your body is. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes both ways. Um, for gender and for race studies. And um, uh, you can certainly never claim experience. And I would hope that people can regulate themselves enough so they're not taking consciously taking a place from somebody who has that experience. Um, but I certainly don't think having a penis makes you unable to believe in feminist aims. Hmm. I got gotcha. you. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, having a penis can be problematic. I certainly think so. <laughs> I'm kidding. A little. <laughs> and for folks out there, Nicole's having issues. We've been having issues with Skype all night. Um, both Alex and I kept getting kept having Skype crash on us. Um, and Alex, as she said, her internet has been real wonky. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I think we and lost Nicole's it. has been pretty pretty bad too. Um, so she just got she just got she just got bumped. So she's gonna reboot and come back and join in the conversation. Um, but what one of the things that that you know I want to think about and talk about for a second is, I mean, and and it's interesting because, you know, this came up in a, in a dissertation defense that we had here this week and also something, and it it was a conversation, the conversation we had with, um, Mike Hoy when he came on and did his interview, Mm um, was, you know, smart guy. He's a very smart guy and I really enjoyed having him on. We've Mm got to have him back. Um, but so when he came on and he talked about the fact, um, that, you know, when he started getting death threats and all kinds of craziness, um, after hacking Zelda for his daughter, um, you know, men were shocked that he had mm-hmm. gotten these death threats based on, you know, based on him doing this one little thing that was, you know, meant for, meant for his daughter and his daughter only. Right. Right. Um, but the women were like, oh yeah, yeah, that, that's going to happen. You know, has anybody, Shocker. you know, has anybody threatened to boil your bunny yet? Right. So, you know, they were like, so have these horrible things happened? Oh, well, you're still a lightweight kind of because they hadn't. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's that kind of experience, right? Um, it is that that difference that we have to um, that we have to recognize as being a difference, right? right? So you can be a male feminist or a man and a feminist, right? Um, and and but not have that kind of very that very different lived experience um and and that kind of understanding until it comes to you in a different way yeah right yeah and i think like the important stuff that i've seen of the people who do that well um are that they recognize all of the sort of reasons why they maybe aren't the right person to be talking about this but because of x y and z they're one of the only people who can like, well, like I, there was an article that someone posted recently about, um, that the, that harassment against women and stuff, um, is not a women's issue. Like it's a men's issue mm-hmm. because they're the ones doing the assaulting. So it's not our problem. It's their problem, which I didn't necessarily agree with because not because like in principle, but because, like women's groups that are based around those things are like super powerful, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I wouldn't want to like take that away from women. But on the other hand, like, like that, like in these situations, like everybody has a different perspective. And I, I think it's a good thing when people in positions of power, maybe like a Mike Hoy will make mill speak out about it because for, you know, there might be 10 or 50 or a hundred men to every one woman who's able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so those issues will get to a broader audience and they'll be, you know, become more part of the discourse. So 
I mean, and what we've got to understand too, when we're starting to talk about who can and can't do a thing, right? Exactly. Right. Is we've got to understand that being a woman is not a monolithic thing. Mm-hmm. We are not all the same kind of woman. Um, we are do not all experience the same kind of oppression because there are all of these other kinds of factors, right, that come in, right? And that's been one of the issues with why feminism has been so fragmented over the years anyway, yeah. right? Because, you know, there is a fem- there, there's feminism that is kind of historically, right, been white, fem- white middle-class female, white middle class female feminism or white middle class feminism Mm -hmm. right and then we've also had um black womanism that's come out of the feminist movement um and then we've had third wave feminism that seeks to include a broader scope of people but then at the same time even when we're doing this we're you know we're still segmenting ourselves because there are so many different kinds of women um, who are active in a feminist and or womanist movement, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's impossible to say here's who can and can't do it because, right. you know, regardless of whether or not you and I and Nicole are all feminists, right? Mm-hmm. We will never be the same kind of feminist, right? Because yeah, my life experience is different. One, because as Nicole pointed out earlier, I'm old as hell, and two, <laughs> yeah, you're never gonna let that one down. Don't nope. expect to. Um, but also because, you know, two, I'm a black woman. Three, I'm a lesbian. I mean, we've got all of these different, and you know, and you know, and you know, and regardless of whether or not I want to admit it, I am still a, you know, an upper middle class academic. Right. So there are all these things that come into play that we have got to say, understand, have a definite effect on what feminism is, feminism or womanism or what have you is to me. Right. And what I need from feminism and what I have to offer to feminism is always going to be different than what, you know, you guys can because you're coming from different subject positions. Well, and you and I have gotten into these arguments or it's not even really an argument, it's just a dis- discussions about this over and over. <laughs> like when we're talking about whether or not we can make our logo pink. And like pink to me <laughs> means something very different than what it means to you. Because pink to me is like a signal where, you know, I sort of grew up in an all tomboy, all masculine environment with sports and hunting beavers and whatever they do in Minnesota. <laughs> and uh, Hunting beavers, oh my know. Yeah. And so like to me it was really important to be able to claim those things as femininity and be like this is just as good as your green logo or your red logo or whatever. Um a, the the things that are stereotypically female are not necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. So like that was an important angle for me to come from where I think Sam you came from a different very different angle about that because your experience was more um women had to wear pink and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's more of a, it's more confining than it is liberating. Right. 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 When you see this come up when they when like people write posts and blogs and stuff about how they're treated at feminist conferences. So like a woman will go and she'll wear a polka dot dress and high heels and lipstick 
and the feminist will sit in the corner and trash talk her. And she's like, I'm very feminist. I do all of this stuff for women and my whole career is dedicated to helping women. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And, but that, but to them, she's demeaning their progress by showing legs and showing like cleavage and stuff like that. And that's to say some feminist conferences, right? Because I mean, but you will always have those people who, I guess I was thinking not even feminist conferences, but like conferences that women hold such a minority that they've had to fight to get where they were. I think is where the example that I was talking about was coming from. Mm-hmm. Like there was a small group of women and they had to fight really hard to be there. So when women came in dressed like this, they, you know, anyway, sorry, keep going. Yeah. I have nothing against women who um, wear high heels and makeup. Nothing at all. I, I don't ever want my daughter to wear high heels because they're bad for you physically. Is uh, yeah. Terrible. And it's pretty bad because I started calling them stupid shoes a lot, a lot earlier <laughs> in life. Right. So yeah, now she has a bad habit of when we're out and she sees a woman wearing heels, she goes, mama, she's got on stupid shoes. <laughs> oops. Like, oops. oops, my bad. They are stupid shoes, but I'm sorry. She said that out loud, embarrassed you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. You know, she's got on stupid shoes. She's got on stupid <laughs> shoes. I know. That's funny. I don't know if this is, like, totally from left field here, but, like, you were talking about kind of a little bit ago, Alex, with um, kind of m- men in a, a position to be able to say these things. I, and you brought up Mike Hoy. That made me think, though, and I don't, I, I don't know. I'll just say it. Is he in this, like, is he in this mindset, do you think? Because the reason why he brought it up quite a bit is because of his daughter and how he's looking out for his daughter. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that, and not saying just him, but men who kind of get in that mindset, like, they have to protect their their daughters, you know what I mean? Like Daughters and friends and wives in the industry. I think that's where most of these people, most of these articles and stuff come from. When, when are they're coming from, guys. right. Because they have a woman in their life that they feel they need to protect. Like, doesn't that kind of, not in a way, cancel it out, but I you see what get you're what saying. I'm saying here? I see like, what you're saying. Well, almost... in, in my mind, it's sort of like progression. So... I would rather... It, or evolution. I'm joking. Evo- no, no, <laughs> I'm joking. Cer- certainly not evolution. <laughs> but, like, like things aren't going to get better tomorrow and they're, and be perfect. They're never going to be perfect, right? So we need to take steps. And if, this, if the next step is protection rather than assault, like, I will fight against... I would rather fight against protection tomorrow. Like, you know, guys being chauvinistic and masculine... Um, in that way than being sexually assaulted tomorrow. Like I would rather do that. So if that's like, and I'm uh, certainly it's not great and it's damaging in many other ways, but I think when it comes down to like the actual physical assault, the death threats, like I want that next step, even if it's not perfect, but it's a place to go for now, but maybe you guys disagree. Okay, here's a here's a really weird, weird, real world example. So a couple years ago, when we got 27 inches of snow, I don't think you guys, were, I don't know, I don't think you guys were living here when we got that crazy amount of snow. But we had gotten 27 inches of snow all in one time, um, and all the roads were closed. And literally, when I opened my garage door so that I could go out and shovel snow, 
between the 27 inches of snow that had fallen and the drifting, there was one inch of daylight that came through my, the, my garage door when the garage door was completely open. Um, and it was so thick on one side that it didn't even cave in when I opened the door because it was a wall of snow. Mm. Right. The only way I could get out was going through the back of my house because the snow had drifted and like covered everything in the front of my house. Now, um, we have, we had at that time, um, we live in a cul-de-sac and it's a great cul-de-sac. People work well together. Um, you know, it's kind of a, it's a community in and of itself, but two men in our cul-de-sac came out with their snowblowers and cleared our snow. Now we're two women living alone, um, in this house, right? I didn't have a snowblower. I was going to try to shovel it. Right. So, and they knew we didn't have a snowblower. And one of them was just this is this sweet older guy that I absolutely love. This other one was like the world's biggest male chauvinist pig that I'm pretty sure he kept. He literally kept his wife chained to the kitchen Um, (laughs) because he was just that kind of guy. And I was so pissed that he cleared my snow. And I was so happy that the other guy did because I really needed my snow cleared and people couldn't even get through. I couldn't even pay anybody to clear it because there was because the roads were closed and the police had closed the roads and said, look, there's no traffic. You guys can't no no driving. Right. Um, but it was the guy who I was pretty sure had his wife chained to the kitchen. I was so pissed that he cleared our snow because I was like, I can just see him standing over there saying, oh, we got to go clear that snow for those little ladies because they can't do it themselves. So it's not necessarily the act. It's like the intention right? and how they act all of the time. Not this one. Right. Yeah. Right. I've been in situations like that before. And what I was going to say, which you beat me to it was for one guy, it wasn't the male female thing. It was that he had a snowblower and you don't. Right. Like I, I think about that right. all the time. Sometimes right. I fell into gender roles. Like I had, like I did long, like I'm not a very good house, anything. No. Um, it's terrible. <laughs> and Mike asked me to do laundry because he's going on a trip, right? And he none of his clothes were clean, and he had to work at 5.30 this morning to 5.30 tonight, and I didn't have to go anywhere. And, so, you know, so I was telling I was telling Jeremy that I was, I was going to be late to our meeting because I had to do laundry, and he's like, oh, you do laundry? Well, he went to work, classic. And I was like, well, I don't think that's what was really happening because it was more of a you-have-time-I-don't situation, Right. And it's certainly not a trend. However, if it was a trend, that would definitely uh, be problematic. <laughs> if, if it wasn't for the fact that he usually does all your laundry and cooks your food and cleans up after you because and you can't do any of that stuff. Of the dog. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Certainly. I've been trying to be a little better. A and little I think bit. that most of that is because he doesn't want to be poisoned by your cooking. And I can understand that. That is absolutely <laughs> the impetus behind it. I'm terrible at most things, so he just does them. That's so funny. I thought you were on a cooking kick. I thought there was cooking going on in your life. Uh, I, I, I cook sometimes. I cook for our poker games, but usually I do, like, snacky foods and stuff. You know, that's funny that you say that, too, though, because my first, like, disclaimer when starting a new guy is I'm not domestic at all. Like, that's what I tell them, like you're expecting some girl to be domesticated for you, that's not me. So just move on to the next one. That's fair. (laughs) That's funny. 
But I think also, like you were saying, that is a good point that the protection is a is a step in a positive direction rather than, you know, the rape and death threats. Obviously, and it depends on where you are. Like, if it's your right. neighbor, like this neighbor guy, that is not a step in the right direction. But for a majority of the women facing these problems in the gaming industry, I think that that's, you know. And you know what? And this is a perfect, this is another perfect example of how things differ based on your, on your various subject positions in discourse communities. Because in the heterosexual community, the fact that I am fiercely protective of um, those who are younger than, less powerful than, more vulnerable than myself gets seen as mothering because that's the way the heterosexual community understands it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the queer community, especially the black queer community, my the same behavior gets interpreted as black lesbian masculinity. Interesting. Because really? you need to control and have power over? Well, not, not all masculinity is controlling, Alex Lane. <laughs> well, said in, said in that manner, it seemed like it. But go ahead. But no, it's protective. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in that way, you're taking on the male role of being right. the, a, the, a more the traditional... protector of the right. family. Yeah. Exactly. And, and see, that's what I'm saying is that it's impossible to say who can and can't do something because the same person doing the same actions is going to be read by different people completely differently. And that's why I like... I think it's great to include women on projects and great to include uh, as much diversity as possible. Um, but you are never going to be like, okay, this is feminist approved. It's fine now. You know, <laughs> feminist approved. Can you get us a little stamp? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like a Krista Charter, right? Like she had us yeah. read some stuff and comment on it and give her feedback. Um, and hopefully it's better um, for, for most people but it's certainly not going to please everyone. There's going to be people who come from a different position and they're going to think it's offensive, you know, or whatever. Yeah. That's very true. So then do you think that there is a way to say, well, that a male could, can be, can a man truly be a feminist? It depends on your definition of feminism, I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely see that, but I guess if we're being super, I just, because then it makes me think, like, there's always some sort of, not backhanded, but there's always some sort of, like, you know, underlying reason for it, like a daughter or a loved one, you know what I mean? And and to that extent- Maybe they were just raised well. That, I, but yeah, that why don't you could totally in that be thing. it. <laughs> that could totally be it. Maybe they were just raised well. That's what I want to think. I mean, maybe you, I mean, and that's a possibility too, is you have, you know, a man who recognizes the worth of a woman. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. It's hard to find. Or recognizes that the worth of the woman doesn't need to be recognized by them because they're their own person. Right. You don't need to be judged by males right. as worthy or not. That too. Mm-hmm. Depending on how you want to look at it. Or like saying you don't get it is when you really get it. 
Like yeah. that's what the that's what the section in the book ultimately came to was men who really understand what feminism is all about will do all of the things that um to support feminism stuff like that but never call themselves a feminist because they get it the most. Because <laughs> they're so they not, have, they're not being feminists they're just being human fucking beings. Right, they're being yeah. human beings and they might use feminist methodology but they would never call themselves that because they understand feminism too well. So. That's funny. Yeah. I think it's interesting to even call myself a feminist. Go on. Well, I, and I don't even really, because before doing this podcast with you guys, I never would have sat down and been like, yeah, I'm a feminist. Because if anything, like prior to this, it would leave almost like a bad taste in my mouth saying that about myself. Yeah, I think that's because, really common. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and I think that's because you're of a certain age as well. Right. Def- definitely that. Definitely that. But, and then, you know, the more you think about, the more I thought about it for myself, though, it's like, you know, in a lot of ways, I am a feminist without sitting down and being like, yeah, feminism rocks, like, vaginas rule, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, I think that's a, like I think that's having a, an awareness of it without sitting down and having to be on the picket fence and like, you know what I mean? Like, I never put myself out there to be like, yeah, I'm a feminist. And even now when people ask, like, you know, what's the podcast about? I'm like, it's like games and gaming from a feminist perspective. I always say that. And I'll be like, oh, so you're one of those fe- feminist women? And I'm like, well, yeah, but I don't advertise myself like that. I don't walk around like, ooh, I got my panties in a bunch. I'm a feminist. Because <laughs> right. that's how they say it to me, even. Yeah, oh, you're, yeah. you're one of those feminists. Like, don't get your panties in a bunch. Yeah, exa- exactly. Like, I'm going to start freaking out because they're male and they exist and I'm a feminist. Yeah, and and I, I think that's really common with people your-ish age. Your-ish um, age. <laughs> because it's... Uh, well, that's a that's a thing. I, I've been reading a couple articles too lately. That's from talking about the, the gender lines with the with the generation right now are just not there as much. So like, um, like with uh, kids in school, like they're trying to not make them choose like male or female on any other tests and stuff like that because those sorts of things just don't exist for them. You know, mm-hmm. like as as much. It's not as powerful. Then people aren't forcing them into roles and. You know what? You people want to think that, and I don't see that. Having a child in um, pre-K, she won't let you say preschool. It's got to be pre-K, right? Because she's getting ready to go to kindergarten. Oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and and being in an academic community, right? Even though we're in the middle of central fucking Indiana, mm-hmm. you know, we are the people who work here are not from central Indiana. So, I mean, they're a more diverse population, um, geographically, economically, not so much racially, but a little bit. Um, there's still so much closed mindedness when it comes to gender roles. I mean, people who get pissed because their sons are, you know, wearing dresses while they're playing dress up, you know, people who are telling their kids crazy shit, like, you know, oh, everybody who has a tattoo has been to prison. But, but that's the parents. Like, you see the kid, the kid's putting on a dress, right? But the kids are reflecting that because that's what they're hearing. That's you know what true. I mean? Yeah. I, 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 don't, I certainly have no experience to speak to this. Um, but I think, at least from the 
few, like, three articles that I've been seeing lately is the kids coming out of this generation are, are much less wedded to those than the previous one. So while you, okay. while I'm sure and you I will, I will it, agree that they're much less wedded than previous generations, but it's not gone in any well, way, shape or form. I mean, not. even in what gone. we would consider more enlightened communities. And that is what is shocking to me. Every time I hear some crazy backwater ass shit coming out of these, you know, from these kids and it's clearly what they've heard at home. Mm-hmm. Right. I am, absolutely appalled and I'm like really really and these are supposed to be educated people yep and that's shocking you know you know and and the number of kids that I see the number of girls that I see that are still pushing the hell out of pink right and I know there's nothing wrong with it because my kid pushes the hell out of pink yeah calm down on pink there but then at the same time my kid didn't like pink before she started preschool Mhm. I remember that. I remember you telling me that because we had we sat down and had a conversation about how much I hate pink. She did not like pink. She was all about jewel tones. Everything my child owned and would wear was red, blue, or purple until she started preschool. And it was only when every other little girl in that room was wearing pink that she started to wear pink and ask for it. So, I mean, there is there is a lot to be said for nurture, <laughs> even oh, yeah. when it's not so fucking nurturing. Oh, yeah. Now, if I could go back two and a half years, I may have never put her in preschool. I'm, no way. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I just would have... She's going to see it eventually. Make up her own mind. Hopefully you just taught her well enough that she'll decide next year like yeah it's not for me i went through it i don't like it or whatever (laughs) or maybe i would have followed my first mind and not let people like alex lane talk me out of her and told her that not only were high heel stupid shoes but pink was from the devil yeah and she didn't she wanted a kitchen and sam didn't want to get her a kitchen i got her the kitchen and then eventually did because she realized it wasn't because everyone else wanted one it was because that's where mommy always is right she wanted to cook like me. Oh, that's I've, adorable. The, the kitchen was more acceptable to me when I figured that one out. <laughs> She's a really smart kid. She is a smart kid. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Good issue. I was always told to wear pink. Really? Am I still here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, I was always told to wear, like, pink and stuff. I mean, wear wear pink, wear dresses, do all the cutesy girly things. And they I still, like- to this day, like, they, they make fun of me. Like, whenever they buy me some, like, clothes for Christmas or whatever, don't let it be pink, because Nicole hates pink. <laughs> don't buy Nicole pink. Nicole doesn't like pink. That's so funny. Oh, gosh. It's, it's too much of a... Girly color for Nicole. I like never had pink or dresses or Barbies. I like played with horses and denim overalls. Well, you know what? My mother harassed the shit out of we me to wear makeup. Oh. Really? Oh yeah. She really did. She harassed the shit out of me to wear makeup. That's okay, That's... mom. 
Yeah. I forgive you. <laughs> that's see, that's a that's a generational thing though. I feel like her generation makeup was like, you know, a god. She's calling you old again, by the way. I am not. I was just talking about her mother. Mm-hmm. I know, Alex. I, I hear it. You hear it. Good. Damn good. It. I'm in the doghouse. Can't mm-hmm. get out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna look all cute and bag in a corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I know what she's talking about I'll put on a pink hat and sit in the corner and you were born in the 1800s man that's just how it was I know <laughs> you know that's how women of your gener- of your mother's generation in the 1840s oh, oh my god <laughs> but I'm not talking about you I'm talking about your mother because they hadn't made blush yet <laughs> Oh man, well that's good. Now I'm a I'm an ageist. Is there a yes, word? Yes, absolutely. That? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Ageist is a thing. Okay. Yep, I'm an ageist. <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna let we're gonna let her out of that one. Okay. Yeah, you're fine. You're For fine. now, anyway. <clears throat> Till next. All time. right. All right. Till next next time. All right. How about some deals for broke ass gamers to save Nicole's ass here? <laughs> get me out of the hole I've dug uh, well there have been some pretty good ones you know we're, we're coming up on the steam summer sale thank god oh my gosh I'm so waiting for that but this so steam's been running lots of other sales like their you know their week their week long sales and their weekend sales and such um there have been some pretty good ones um steam is running week long deals right now that actually um are still running. Um, but some of the highlights of that one, uh, you can get greed for a dollar 24, uh, Papa, Papo and yo that I talked about on the blog and probably talked about here too, uh, for nine 99. Um, you can get, uh, the guild two for two forty nine, angry birds space for a dollar 69 payday to heist. Cause payday two is coming out soon for five bucks. Um, and then today, um, the Alan Wake games are on sale. So you get, uh, well, not just today, to the, hit, the sale hit today. Um, you can get uh, the original Alan Wake for three bucks, um, Alan Wake's American Nightmare for a dollar and a half, um, or the franchise, which will give you both games um, for four bucks, and then get all the collector's edition extras for another dollar. So for five bucks, you can get all the Alan Wake you can take. Um, so there's lots of stuff on sale at Steam to check out as you wait for the Steam summer sale to hit and lose your mind. Or is that just me? Um, <laughs> Amazon's also running a, a sale on kind of the two biggest games that have come out lately that I think we we were we all played and talked about a lot. Um, Bioshock Infinite for $39.99 and Tomb Raider for $33.30. And GameStop has a little special going on that they had $20 off some good games like SimCity. Well, <laughs> let me take that back. Good games like Nino Cooney for $39.99. Or you could get SimCity for $39.99. Mm. Um, or you could buy uh, Dead Island Riptide for $39.99 and get the Game of the Year edition of Dead Island for $9.99. So. Looks dumb. Yeah. Yeah. There are some games you can pick up on the cheap and play while you're waiting for um, Animal Crossing to come out next week. 
Mm-hmm. Or The Last of Us comes out next week too, doesn't it? Oh, yay. Yeah, it does. It looks so good. And Remember Me? Let's look at those dates. Because I'm crazy now. Yeah, so The Last of Us comes out um, next Tuesday. Um, and um, I want to say Remember Me comes out next week, doesn't it? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, my God. Yeah, that wasn't funny. Um, (laughs) I don't care. I stand by it. That's so funny. Sorry. Um, and Animal Crossing. Um, so yeah, I'm really dying to play a couple of a couple of them. Um, The Last of Us and uh, the uh, Animal Crossing and and The Last of Us. I want to play. I don't know if I want to buy The Last of Us. I don't know how I feel about this game yet. It's kind of strange. Um, but yeah, Remember Me comes out next week too, June 4th. Um, and remember, Remember Me is, um, PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. Um, uh, Animal Crossing is for the 3DS. And, uh, The Last of Us is, uh, a PS3 exclusive. Oh, and it's not doesn't come out to the 14th. I'm sorry. So it's week after next for The Last of Us. Sorry, I jumped the gun on that one. I had to double check the date. I was that's why I was driving me kind of crazy. Sorry, I had to look it up. So two weeks for The Last of Us, a week for Remember Me and Animal Crossing. But Remember Me and Animal Crossing is enough, definitely enough to keep you busy until The Last of Us comes out. And Remember Me actually has a female protagonist as well. Yeah. Yep. All kinds of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. It's credit cards ready. Heck yeah. <laughs> Load of dust off those puppies. It's time to buy more games. Like there was ever dust on that card. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, All right. So I think that's about it, folks. Yep. And we made it through with only losing one person once. Woohoo. If you heard my recording though, it's crazy. I can't hear anything you guys are saying. <laughs> Between that and the dogs, probably couldn't hear a damn thing. I know, they're crazy. Yep, that's funny. All right, so until next time, folks. Um, stay cool. <laughs> Play Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. And as always, game on. Game on. Game on. Yay, us.